For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona Space Institute, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Grant Anderson, the president and CEO of Paragon Space Development, a corporation based in Tucson that specializes in spacesuits and space habitats. Welcome, Grant. Hi, great to be here, Tim. Paragon is a key part of a team that recently won a multi-billion dollar contract to develop NASA's next generation of spacesuits. What will this next generation be able to do that the previous spacesuits could not? The previous spacesuits were designed in the 1960s, at least the ones that walked on the moon, and they had limited mobility. Uh, they were really there just to make sure that we could step on the moon and walk around a little bit. Um, NASA is asking for us to develop a spacesuit that's really mobile, really functional, and can really let us explore the moon's surface. Paragon's been doing spacesuits for a while, though, correct? Yes, we built our first spacesuit, which actually was the first space suit that was operational in almost 30 years, first new spacesuit, uh, back in 2014. And uh, we just bought a company in January that does more of the soft goods side of it. We had to contract that out for the first one. But we've specialized in all the life support that has to do with the spacesuit. And what is different about these spacesuits? I mean, more mobility of the fingers, more mobility of the body. What are you trying to get at? Yes to all of those things. The unknown thing about Apollo astronauts is their fingers got very, very tired. The, the gloves were very stiff. Um, we had to make sure we've loosened those up. And in fact, the company we bought, Final Frontier Design, started because they won a contest for the best uh, glove design out of NASA. Uh, dust tolerance was the other thing. It's kind of a dirty little secret of the Apollo program that even if they would have had more oxygen and, and more consumables, as we call it, the suits were falling apart because of the very, very harsh lunar regolith, the dust, uh, that was just eating away at the zippers. The zippers are starting to fail and everything. Of course, a zipper fails in space, that's a bad thing. I mean, you know, the astronauts came back with uh, dust in their fingernails that had to grow out over a space of a few months. The places where their suit bent, the dust went through the micrometeoroid layer, through the pressure layer, th and through the coolant garment layer, all the way into their skin. And they had black lines on, their, on wherever they bent. Um, if you look at pictures of the astronauts, they seem really dirty down at their legs. But look closely. They're dirty mainly around the seam. So one of the theories is that the, the, there's a leak around every seam, that that oxygen was attracting the dust as it hung up, and so it stuck to the suit better around those seams, which means also it's going gonna, it's gonna to be attracted to the seals, and that's a problem. You try to get the morphology right, but you never will because you don't have the gas, and they're not as sharp. So we have these things called lunar simulants. They actually have names like JSCA1 and all this, the different centers, and they all use different ones for different reasons. Like when they're drilling or trying to scoop samples up on Mars, they've tried that in a simulant, but you don't really know. You also do things like closed-loop water recycling, and you've reached some interesting milestones there lately, correct? Yes. Uh, NASA is set to announce that we met their goal of 98% uh, water recovery. So that means in the urine that comes out of a human being, of course, that we can extract 98% of that water, which means that's a lot less water you have to put on the spacecraft to go somewhere, like the moon or to Mars. And so uh, we're hoping to hear that announcement pretty soon, but we're selling that product to all the commercial space providers and, and uh, the new space station teams that are vying to build the next space stations for, uh, for both private and public use. What was the secret to upping that ratio? Was it just doing a little bit of everything you could, or was there some big loss that people hadn't recognized? 
NASA had gone down a path of something called vapor cascade distillation, which means that you heat it up and boil it pretty much and then condense the water out. That has a lot of inefficiencies in it, and it also tends to condense a lot of the volatiles that are in the urine into the water, uh, sort of impurities that you don't have to take out. So there was a lot of moving parts, a lot of reliance on gravity. Ours is really no moving parts. The only moving part to the whole thing is a fan to keep the air flowing over a membrane type technology that really, without getting too technical, grabs a, a water molecule by either the hydrogen or oxygen atoms, the plus or minus sides, and then just passes it through and throws it out to space, or out to the cabin in this case without taking any of the volatiles. So it purifies and it distills the water out um, with, like I said, no moving parts. Thanks for talking with us, Grant. I really enjoyed it, Tim. It's always great to see you again. This is Tim Swindle, and you've been listening to Arizona Science. Our guest today has been Grant Anderson, who leads Paragon, a company working on spacesuits and other life support issues. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.